Welcome to the Myofascial Health Podcast, hosted by me, Unu. Follow along as I explore the depths of John Barnes' myofascial release approach on my road to mastery. Along the way, I'll be sharing the lessons I learned as I open my myofascial release practice in Austin, Texas, so that you don't have to make the same mistakes I do. Welcome back to the Mild Fascial Health Podcast. Now, I am joined by a very special guest today. She has almost 40 years of physical therapy experience, has delved into whether it be yoga teacher trainings, pediatrics, or energy work. It's my honor to welcome to the podcast, Jeannie. Thanks so much for hopping on. Thank you so much. Hi, thank you. So I met you when I did my SES or the skill enhancement seminar in Malvern and you were one of the therapists at the time. And I know that I was just kind of delving into this work. I was drawn to John Barnes myofascial release approach. And whenever I got to work with you, you started to kind of open my eyes to energy. And I was very curious, you know, I, I think my channel five traits kicked in where it was like, how do you do this? Or, you know, what's the right direction to go? And, and because I wanted to unlock this skill, so to speak. And you had recommended the listening book. Now the listening book isn't like a chapter book where it tells like a story from beginning to end. It's more of like a collection of small stories in which you kind of, or the author lets you know that like everyone has always had these abilities, but oftentimes we unlearn them, whether it be because of society, because of school, because of our parents or our culture, and then we get told what the world is. And so let's just kick off there. Can you elaborate on, let's say, first of all, because it is energy work, and we'll go a little bit backwards here. How did you even get into energy work? I got into energy work when I started, when I was working full time um, at the clinic in Malvern for, um, I would go into the client, into the room, and I could sense things. I couldn't make heads or tails of what I was sensing, but I knew that um, it had to relate to that person. Whether I, all of a sudden, whether it was my eyes being drawn to a certain area or feeling something in my body I, or seeing things, um, I, I could sense things and it was just like, hmm, it made me very curious about what was going on. Um, and then, and then what happened was um, I had sent the intention one year. It was at this, I don't make New Year's resolutions, but I had set the intention one year that I want to connect more energetically with my clients. And no sooner did I set that intention than a friend of mine sent me a text and said, not sure if you were interested, but would you, I'm gonna show you this anyway. And it was, um, it was, about a healing school or an energy school um, up in Rhinebeck. And I started, I began my studies with, in that, it's called Awakening Prana. And I began my studies there. Going backwards, um, I probably, I, I believe that 
Um, my memories as a child are very, very little. Um, I don't have a whole lot of memories, but they're always in color, in bright color. And I have a sense that I probably saw a lot of color that I didn't know how to make sense of. So I don't see it any longer. I don't, I don't see it because I shut that down. But then um, what had happened was it, I had gone through a, a vacation series in myofascial release and we worked extensively at the throat. Um, it was cervical thoracic, advanced unwinding and rebounding. And I had processed during, the, during that vacation series, a lot of like past life experience. It opened up a lot of things in my throat. The throat chakra is directly associated with Claire audience. And then all of a sudden I started to hear and it was like, it was scary. It was like, this is a, the, uh, the, like the, the part of my mind, the logical thinking part was like, no, you, this is not so this, this can't be so, you know, and who are you to think it's so, you know, and it's like, and then my life changed again. And, um, and I truly believe it was a gift that was, a, that was given to me, a gift that was afforded me in not so much the gift of hearing, but being able, when it occurred was the gift because the gift occurred shortly before my husband passed. Had it mm. occurred after my husband passed and I heard my husband, I would have, I would have shut it down and not believed it. And I would, and I would have just like kept it, but it occurred or had it occurred after my husband passed, it occurred before he passed. So I, it was something like that, that I wasn't sure about, but then when he passed and I heard him clearly, I was able to embrace that. So that, so the gift is not so much the gift of the hearing, because I do believe everybody is intuitive. And um, when I say intuitive, I think of clairaudience, clairsentience, claircognizance, clairvoyance. You know, and so, um, so I think I think in terms of that, I think everybody has the ability, um, and sometimes sometimes we have like two that predominate, and mine that predominate are clear audience and clear sentience. So okay. I, I, I know I've said to you in the past, as a PT, most people that that are in a healing field, they have it. Um, they know it. They just haven't defined it. So like I know I've said to you, how many times have you gone into treat a client and you just know where to place your hands? And the client's like, how did you know that? You know, like so many people have that ability. That's that's you responding to your clairs without even realizing it. Got it. And so I actually happen to be in this camp where I've heard of some of these things and maybe we should define them for the audience here because I know that as I'm exploring these new spaces, I don't have the vocabulary or the background of knowing what clairaudience, clairvoyance, clairsentience and, and all the other ones that there are. Um, can you just kind of define that for us really quick? Yeah, and uh, you 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 saw this past weekend too, and uh, during this this camp, um, I'm a stickler for the definitions because I think sometimes a lot falls under big umbrellas, and when it falls under a big umbrella, um, it can mean different things to different people, and as it means different things to different people, there's less of a belief in it. So, but when you can clearly define it, you can say, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And if everybody's saying the same thing, it's a lot easier for everybody to, to have, like, it, it'll hold a lot more meat, you know? So, 
I view intuition is that that innate talent that everybody has, that innate ability to see, hear, think, feel without using our typical five senses. Most people believe that if they're clairaudience, they should, should see, or they should hear through their ears. And the hearing, so to back up a little bit, clairaudience is the ability to hear. Clairvoyance is the ability to see. Clairsentience is the ability to, to, to feel. And um, claircognizance is the ability to know. And, um, and, and, and a gustatory one, gustatory? Yes, it's, it, I, there is like a clair gustatory, which is the ability to, um, to sense smells. And, 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 and along with that is taste too. So, so there are the, those are like the the basic clairs, and and I believe everybody has them. There's it's not like I have a special talent or anything else like that. It's just like everybody, every child that is born has the ability to walk. Some can walk more gracefully than others. Some can walk not so gracefully. You know, every child has the ability to run. Does, does that mean that every child is a marathon runner or a, a super, super fast speed runner? No. Uh, sometimes, sometimes you can hone those natural abilities, you know, and you can take and, and really delve into it more, you know. So, um, so I believe that a lot of times when you can hone them, you can delve into them. You can really fine tune what they are. Excellent. That was beautifully said. Um, and yeah, we just came back from a event called Body Magic, which is kind of like a mile faster release camp. It was co-facilitated by you and Carly Brand. Shout out to Carly. She did a great job of Amazing. connecting everybody, providing the space. And actually, she was able to come into her own. Uh, I feel like I, I was super proud of her to see her lead something, to be able to use her voice, not only as a teaching tool, but as a singing tool and giving everybody else permission to speak their truths or sing their truths. And she was able to connect to a space that I don't hear very often. So I thought that was very cool. Shout out to you, Carly. And then we went over some of these topics. So um, under the umbrella of the term intuition, you broke it down into these different clairs. Now, I'm someone who never thought of myself as having any of these clairs, but I do have confidence in my work. And part of that, though, is trusting your intuition, which is channel three, as John would say. Mm -hmm. And I've had a knack for knowing where to place my hands or the amount of touch. And I attribute that to actually different parts of my past that I feel like have led me up to this moment, right? So a little thing about me is I grew up playing the piano and it was something that was forced upon me. So my parents wanted me to play. <laughs> I hated it. Uh, I ended up quitting for a little bit. And then my grandma bribed me with $20, 20 whole dollars. <laughs> and I played piano for 10 years. And, uh, and so while it was a struggle during the moment, I do appreciate that experience now because I have a greater appreciation for whether it be music or the instruments and things of that nature. But because I learned how to play piano and I was kind of artistic, I feel like I developed a touch from it. And then fast forward to when I found Mile Faster Release, it was like, okay, I can use my hands and touch. And, you know, John, will say certain things that might rub people the wrong ways, but he was saying that 
you know, massage therapists are good at using their hands and PTs know a lot, but they're not good at using their hands. Mm -hmm. But I was confident in my work and I do see that, I'll say that those are typical for patterns that we might see, but it's not a blanket statement as an end all <laughs> be all. But I feel like it's these experiences in my past where I'm like, okay, maybe I am drawn to these certain things. You know, maybe some people believe in past lives, like oh, in a past life, I might've been a healer or someone mm -hmm. that used their hands, but that's not how I normally talk, you know? So mm -hmm. um, I was able to bridge the gap with myofascial release. Can I just ask you, how did you go about finding myofascial release? Cause you are a physical therapist. Mm -hmm. um, you have a bachelor's in physical therapy. So that was whenever it was a bachelor's degree. Um, and I can only imagine that at that time was myofascial release or energy work even spoken about. It seems to me that there would be a negative connotation or feel around those topics. There's a lot of a negative feel around those topics. Um, when I went to school, we were told, we thought we were really smart. And we thought that we, we called it myofascial, which I feel is kind of a, a misnomer because back then we thought it connected muscle to bone. So therefore myofascial, we got that my, that muscle piece in. It's in and around every single part of our body. So it's kind of a mis misnomer to call it myofascial. It's more fascial, but we thought we were really smart. And I remember we studied on cadavers and we were told, literally we were told it's adipose tissue, take that away. So we would scrape the, the superficial layer of the fascial system away from the muscle that we would see underneath. And it's like, oh yeah, there's these little pieces in between. We, it was very, very science-based and science, science is amazing. Um, but then they came out with a classification system of what makes a good scientific study and a According to the classification system, the least weighty studies are the personal experiences or the, the single study, the single client study. So they don't, they don't carry a whole lot of weight because the fascial system is so individual in every single person. And because when you treat the fascial system, it's based upon that person's traumas and everything that they hold within their body we can't have a massive homogenous study that's, that proves that it's okay. And unfortunately science says, because you can't have a massive homogenous study that everybody puts on hands on in this way, to this depth, to this degree of pressure for this length of time, it's no longer, it's not true. And then, and, um, and everybody that has ever experienced fascial work understands the absolute power in the bit in in the in the tool you know itself the tool itself has is just an amazingly healing way to deal with things in the body it's the only it's the only technique that starts to address like um the emotional traumas that we hold and that's part of like how my practice has evolved i i i I'd say that my practice is a holistic physical therapy practice dealing with mind, body, and spirit. And, uh, and again, uh, not to use any umbrella terms, I differentiate 
mind to me is a balanced conscious and subconscious mind. Understanding that the subconscious is, it's not a 50-50. The subconscious is about 95% of, of the stuff that goes on in our mind. And only about five, like that, that the remaining part is what comes out. So, so even understanding a balanced mind is not necessarily a 50-50, but mm -hmm. just so that one side does not overtake the other. Balanced body to me is the physical form. And the more I treated, the more I realized if I didn't, if I didn't delve into the, what the complete body, we are beyond our physical forms. We are, we are physical beings that are stuffed into these little forms and, and our energy actually goes beyond that. And if I didn't address that, I was, I was stuck in a traditional PT model. And I didn't want to be stuck there. So to me, a balanced body is a balanced physical body and a balanced energetic body because hmm. that energetic body is important. And a balanced spirit is you be like that individual being in line with their higher self, which is in line with their soul. And the more that that is in alignment, the more that individual is complete and healed. That was beautifully stated. We got a lot to unpack there. So, <laughs> so first of all, um, I think when you shared your 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 views on you know science or physical therapy in general, I I agree with it. Now, I do feel like there is a place for science and research and things mm -hmm. like that. But I know in physical therapy school, outside of them saying on the within the first week of physical therapy is both a science and an art. Beyond that statement, the artistry of physical therapy is never talked about. You know, it then becomes, I know today, or at least when I was going through physical therapy school, there's this strong push towards evidence-based practice, evidence-based practice. And I do see that there's a value for that, right? Like if you can show that something is repeatable amongst, you know, thousands of studies, then you can feel pretty confident in doing the said thing. Now, however, I do feel like it should be equal, if not more, of an art. And when you're trying to teach someone about art, let's say painting, how you use your brush is not going to be something that you can prove in evidence, right? It's not going to be like, you have to do this brush stroke at this angle, at this speed. Mm -hmm. And once you start getting too quantitative, you lose the artistry. Mm -hmm. And um, I do believe that we're all unique individuals. And so therefore we should be treated as such. And yes, we all have these physical bodies and you might look the same or have similar features as so, someone else, but who you are, what drives you, your purpose in life, what gives you fulfillment and how you process traumas, whether it be physical or emotional is unique to yourself. Something that is never mentioned in PT school is whether it is physical or emotional trauma, that gets held into your body. And luckily we found myofascial release, which is a tool that we can use to help release some of those things to bring the body back to full health and facilitate the healing process for your patients and your clients. And then I will say that I was, okay, when we're talking about intuition, right? And learning how to trust it, because I have come from this, doctorate now level education and being drilled with like, where's the evidence, where's the science and the research. 
it is tough for me to let that piece go. How would you recommend someone who's in my situation, let's say a new grad PT, feeling themselves, get to talk, get to call themselves a doctor. And with that, understanding the science and the evidence, but then for you to say, there's a lot more out there and mm -hmm. um, there's intuition, which has all these different clairs. But for me, I'm coming from a place of like, that is kind of shunned. So how would you get someone to take that next step? So, so it's interesting. Um, a lot, the, I'll answer this in, a, in kind of like a backwards way. Um, when I first entered into the myofascial world, I challenged every single premise of the myofascial world. I, and when I say premises, there's a lot of premises that we use in, in the technique that we, that we are trained in. However, in using that, like that, like in using that, what made me embrace it so much is these principles are life principles. Um, and it, and it was just like, yeah, this is this is so true because it not only applies to the technique, it applies to life. So the, so why I'm saying that is never force. And it's like, I can't tell you something that you don't want to believe. But if you have questions, I can start to ask questions and help you understand that, wait a minute, like, there's, there might be a different way to look at it. Like there might be, there might be more, like, just like I said to you, like how many times have you gone in and felt just exactly where to touch a person and it, without any thought, without anything, just felt that, or how many times did you just feel like your eye was drawn to a certain area? I would bet that you would say the majority of times and the majority and that would probably if you scientifically measured it, it would make a very good class A study. You know, it's like if you scientifically sure. measure that. So so it's like, uh, again, I'm not going I'm never going to force someone to believe something that's 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 outside of their wheelhouse. The, um, sometimes the our our ways of life, our belief systems are so embedded that it makes it very difficult to believe. I do believe that most people seeking to look at the artistry of what they're doing will understand that that, that artistry is that uniqueness. And what brings that uniqueness into it is how they embody themselves. How do they act in, in, inside their body? How do they feel inside their body? And, and that will bring that level of artistry out. Um, I, when you talk about like you played the piano and you feel that that set you up to have those skills for your hands, what if you had those skills for your hands and playing the piano became something that was, was easier done? I do feel like there is something to that. Um, and what was cool about this, this past body magic experience is there's a lot of musicians in the room. And I think musicians have a way of listening to music and using their instrument to express part of who they are. And so I will say that I think that when someone plays an instrument and they put their feeling and emotions behind it, it sounds very different than when someone or a computer is just playing the note or the key, mm -hmm. like very um, without the feeling. And so I do feel like maybe I had some innate abilities in addition to like, I enjoyed 
art class, things like that. Mm -hmm. But I know that the countless hours of practice probably had some role in me developing or fostering this skill. That holds true to intuition. So the more that it is practiced, the more that it is, it, it, it becomes honed, you know, the more that it becomes fine tuned. Um, I'll, oftentimes I'll speak about things on a, on a spectrum. When my intuition first, when I started to acknowledge my intuition, it came in very negative. I could hear and I could see car crashes and yeah. I didn't want to see that. <laughs> like, so I shut that down. That, and um, that was so. It, so if you think about a pendulum, it swung on the on the on the extreme end, and I didn't want to hear it. And then little by little, things happened in my life. I I met different people that that kind of made it okay. You know, this person wasn't a crazy person. This person wasn't selling snake oil or anything else like that. And and this person could fully under, fully say, yes, I have intuition with that and make it acceptable. So uh, it's finding those people that kind of made it sound like, okay, this person's not crazy. And she, like she puts on her pants the same way that I put on my pants, you know? So it's like, okay, it can't, they're, they're, let me just think a little bit more about this, you know. And as I as that happened, there were like I said, there were certain things in my life that that just kind of like helped my intuition evolve more. And um, and then I then I pursued evolving my my intuition to a greater degree. I purposely looked to to get it honed so that when the pendulum swung, I could understand what a little hit was as opposed to it having to come to the extremes, you know, so uh, whether it was what was deemed a positive or negative extreme, it didn't have to come to that, you know, so um, like, uh, okay, if I play this number in the lottery, then I'm gonna win, you know, and that, that would be a positive extreme, it didn't have to come to that, it could be, it could be a little. Now, the naysayers will say, if you're that intuitive, why aren't you a millionaire? You know, and, and stuff like that. And it's like a lot of it is intention and intentional use. You know, like where do you want to use this? As I don't walk around and talk to people saying, "Oh, I I just heard from your dead relative." You know, I don't I don't. It does. It's not part of that. You know, but um, but sometimes it's like it, like where do I want to use it? Use it with intention. It's like okay, every marathon runner doesn't or every sprinter doesn't have to sprint every place that they go to, you know, like they can use their skills when they want to, you know, I like to use my skills when I treat uh, because I really feel like that. And I love seeing therapists develop their skills so that they can develop their artistry. Like to me, that is complete joy, you know, um, because I, because I, I, I truly believe everybody has this ability inside them. And, and, and it's just a matter of uncovering those other layers. So then that way you don't have to hide, hide it anymore. And not that it's intentionally hidden. It could be hidden by a belief that we're not even aware of. Absolutely. On my, in my case, because I had grown up in the schooling system and a lot of my friends had gone through that system, when I first found myofascial release and I told them about what I saw at MFR1, there was a lot of disbelief. I think I remember one of them saying like, you know, be careful and you're like, it sounds like the wool is being pulled over your eyes. But for me, I couldn't discount what I saw and what I felt. And what I recognized is 
even if you think it's baloney, that experience was real for me. And I think I have gone through this process where I've learned to trust myself. And I think surrounding yourself in those spaces where you can talk about these things without being judged also facilitates you growing this intuitive ability. I wanted to ask you, when you first started connecting with your intuition, you said that you had, you were seeing car crashes. Did you just like keep that to yourself? Or if like, did you see people and were you like, hey, maybe you shouldn't drive I, today? So um, you're, um, the one, the biggest thing about intuition is your intuition is going to speak to the, to you the way you understand. So if you're a physicist, you know me, you know, I hate numbers. I'm not going to get intuition in numbers. You know, it's like, cause I, that's just not for, that's not me. Um, I would see the color of the car. I would see the color of the interior of the car. I would hear a crash. I would feel where it felt on the car, whether it was the passenger front or the back end or something like that. I would feel that. And, um, and it was scary to me because if the color of the car was someone that I knew that had that color car, it was like, oh my gosh, like, please be careful. And then there was so much anxiety with it. I did not, that in that side of my intuition, it was something that was uncomfortable. I didn't want it in my life. I would, I would rather shut that down. So it was easy to shut down um, when that, when it did occur. I would be like, I, sometimes I, I, I a silver car with a blue interior and I would see if I saw that it was like, whoever was driving, please be careful, please be careful, you know, like, and, and then it would drive me nuts. And that's not a place, that's not a comfortable place to be. And who would want to embrace their intuition if that's what it is, you know? And it's like, um, and I didn't call it intuition then. I called it a gut feeling, you know? Um, a lot of times gut feelings. So my clairsentience, which is the feeling sense, mine comes through my abdomen, which is a gut feeling. So it's like, so, so sometimes I think that's where the, the umbrella terms come in. Like, oh, a cut, what is a gut feeling? Is it your clairsentience? Where do, where do you feel things? I do not feel things with my hands. You know, like when I'm, yes, I, uh, like when I'm treating, of course I do, but my clairsentience does not come in through my hands. My clairaudience does not come in through my ears. It comes in back behind here. My clairvoyance does not come in through my eyes. It comes comes in, in, in a picture in my head, you know? So, so I think that's also lends into the confusion about embracing intuition, because when we think we see, hear, know, sense, smell, you know, then we want it to come through what we're familiar with. And it's not, and we're not necessarily familiar with that. So then when I, when I, when all of a sudden some other parts of my Claire's became more apparent, then it became something that I really didn't want to ignore, you know, um, and then it became fun. I would play with it. Uh, and I always say play with it in a benign way, you know, stand in front of the elevators. Uh, and I don't like a bank of two. I like four elevators. So I get better odds. That there's that scientist part of me, you know, but stand in front of the if when there's a bank of elevators, stand in front of the elevator that you think is going to open up. And when my, and again, here's the scientist part of me, when it was 50%, that wasn't good enough. 
when it was 75%. Well, okay, well, that's better, but 85%, well, maybe you have something here, you know? And it's like, when it's 90%, it was like, okay, I think this is pretty good. I think I can rely on this, you know? And then when I, when I did, I felt more completely me, you know? And it was like, and when I had to shut it down, it was harder. It was harder because that's, that's part of, that's part of, that's part of me. That's part of the artistry of me. That's, that's part of, of who I am. It's like, it's like trying to be a PT with one arm tied, tied behind your back. Yeah, you could still do what you need to do, but if you had to, and, and I'm saying a PT in the traditional sense, you know, mm-hmm. if you had to be a PT and you could still do what you needed to do, but it would be different. So if I can't bring in the, the complete picture that's in my world, then I feel like there's a, there's a part of me that's missing. So. Yes. And so uh, what I love about that story is that you trusted it enough and recognize that it's a part of who you are. So mm-hmm. even though in the beginning, maybe there's some friction, you're not sure of what you're seeing or feeling or hearing, but as you practice and with these benign games, you've been able to hone your skills mm-hmm. and it is very much a part of who you are to where if today you were to say, oh, I'm going to turn it off, you would feel like one arm was tied behind your back. Mm-hmm. Now, my intuition is a little different. I think I still question a lot of things. Um, in the context of myofascial release, we're going to call this channel five and channel three. Again, channel five is your uh, your left brain, which is more logical, linear, impulsive, and where fear is thought to be Whereas channel three is like your right brain. It's like your creative side, intuitive side, and it's where love is thought to be. And so I love your description because for those of us who are not familiar with trusting your intuition, then when you're describing like, oh, you know, Clairaud, you can hear it or you can see Mm -hmm. it or you can smell it or feel it. They're not the senses that you're accustomed to, right? And so... You don't see, I remember wanting to see energy. I'm like, I don't see anything. And I recognize it's supposed to be through, I guess, your third eye or pineal gland. And it's, it, and in this space or this channel three space, oftentimes you'll be communicated to with whether it be pictures or colors, things of that nature. And when I've interviewed, whether it be Mark or Tamara, who work with horses, they communicate to horses in kind of this telepathic way, right? Mm-hmm. And and these band members who, if they've been playing together for a long period of time, they have this chemistry that they just know mm-hmm. how to do things together, but they're not consciously thinking of that, right? Mm-hmm. So I love that. Now, for me, the only way I've learned to trust my intuition more is like, for example, when I'm working with a patient and they have like a shoulder injury, you know, my PT brain automatically goes into, okay, there's the four rotator cuff muscles, it's a chromion, da, 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 da. And I'll have this thought of like, ooh, this person probably needs X, Y, and Z, and I can build a program based on that. And then I'll, I'll have spent this energy being like, ooh, I got the perfect plan. And then inevitably, when I walk into that room, they'll be like, yeah, I know my shoulder hurts, but the thing that's really bothering me is my hip. And I'll be like... Every time I try to come up with a plan, the world shows me like, yo, if you go into the room and you think you know what you're supposed to do, then most likely you don't, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, part of this is like going into a treatment space 
with a blank mind, right? Like allow things to come up and then follow it. And don't, and for me, I've gotten better with just like, yeah, this is their experience. It's not mine. I'm not here to impose or force my, my beliefs or my knowledge onto them. I'm going based on clearly on only what they're presenting to me and what they're sharing with me. And then lo and behold, even though it doesn't make sense logically, nine times out of 10, they're like, yeah, you know, I felt that in my head was like connected to my shoulder. I had no idea. And then slowly but surely, I, I just learned to trust it more. And then for me, it's like, okay, just like don't, every time I've had a plan, it's never gone to plan. So just like go into it with fresh eyes and being there to follow what gets shown to you. You talked about principles of MFR. And we talked about like not forcing. Mm -hmm. Are there other principles that you, that you, that resonate with you in your life? Every single principle I tested. It was like, huh? I remember listening to John and being like, okay, I might hear you on that, but I don't know about this, you know, and I, and I might hear you on this one, but mm, are you sure? And I would test. Um, historically, as a PT, I was hired by districts and stuff like that. It, I was hired by places to do evaluations. I was evaluations was what I was excellent at. I like so I could assess a body, come up with all the way down, and this is the ad, this is what like we'll do this and to get there, you know. And I could I like that's what I was hired for. That's what I was great at, you know. And I remember John saying, let go of the outcome. And I was like, wait a minute, like, this is what I'm so used to. This is what I'm good at. You know, how can I let go of that? It's not so much letting go of what you're good at. It's about allowing for the possibility of far greater. And it, and it's like, and that is, that to me is a really big piece. So I'm always a PT. I always know the structure of the, of the, the, whether it's the knee, the shoulder, whatever, I always know things in terms of bones and muscles and nerves and stuff like that. But now, and now I know in terms of, oh, wait a minute, it's this chakra or that chakra or this or the auric field. And now I know more because I, the way that I look at energy is through energy systems. So I follow a similar systems approach that I do to the body, you know, so, and that has helped me understand what I sense and feel and hear and see. So, um, so it's like, okay, well, there's so many layers, you know, and then, and, and when you treat the, the true artistry of the myofascial work, we're, we're energetic beings, we are all functioning on frequencies. And then the true artistry comes in when you can create that resonance. And John will talk about that, about creating resonance with your client. That is where that true exchange happens. And when you can't, when you are fully tapped into that, you, that is the, that, that is part of the artistry that you, that has the ability to access everything that's around us. And it has the ability to interchange too. So there's no reason why if you're in resonance with someone that you don't understand where to go, where you don't, when you're out of resident resonance, you might not feel it. You might not be mm -hmm. able to sense that, you know, like if you're so stuck on that phone call that just came, that just came and happened. And then, and it's just like, okay, yeah, I'm going to put my hands on because this is the technique. You're still not creating that resonance 
resonance with that and that connection. And I think that 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 also speaks to my other little umbrella term that I can't stand um, is like, that I really try to hone is people will throw out words of like, they throw out the buzzwords, grounding and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, what does grounding truly mean? You know, it can mean different things for different people. Sometimes people use grounding and centered as the same thing. And they mean in my world, they mean something different. And and all of that is to say that the place where I choose to treat from is through my heart center. Because when when you can come through that heart center, you can create that resonance and you can connect to all that is. You can connect to source. You can you can connect to everything. Um, one of my favorite readings was The Hidden Life of Trees. Mm. which talked about mycelium. And I believe that the, the fascial network within our body is like that mycelium. But I also believe that there is something that we don't see, that we don't have the tools to measure, but that connects our physical form to our energetic forms. And from that, our energetic forms to the energy that's all around us. So I do believe in that continuous connection. And, and, um, and that's something that I don't have the scientific proof of, but no one's going to be able to tell me otherwise. <laughs> so. And I think it's because you feel it, right? Like they I, are. I do. And, I, and I've had it. My life has, has given me opportunities to see it and, and experience it in ways that I could have never imagined. Um, and I go back to um, the biggest experience and the biggest like life-changing experience for me was the passing of my husband. He had passed and there was um, a little shimmer off of his belly. Um, even though he had been being, he had been declared, we were waiting for the whole family to come around. There was a little shimmer off of his body. Body, not not everybody could see it. Um, the shimmer looked like the heat that comes off of a street. You know, like that. It just looked like that kind of energy. We waited over six hours for everybody to be able to to get there for the family to get there, and my husband stayed warm and soft which was kind of interesting because most people rigor mortis would set in and, and the coldness would set in um, when there's no blood flow for that long of time. And, um, and then once everybody was around, the shimmer did not dissipate or disappear. It completely expanded. Like it expanded into all of the space all around. And um, and that was a that was a really profound thing. So that's that's where I get very steadfast and say nothing's going to tell me any other uh, anything different. You know, um, that was that was so profound. And to know that that it, it and then his form no longer was him; it ceased to be him. And that is where John will say that in the tubules there's um, there are hollow tubules filled with light. And people suspect that that is our consciousness. And I truly believe that. I truly believe that that is the light inside of us that illuminates this body. And when that is no longer in, in it, it's just a form. And it was just a form. It was, it was just, it no longer housed his soul, you know? So, so that again is where it is to me, mind, body, spirit, you know? I love that. Now, something that I... And very grateful to hear from you is you're very open with sharing your 
your relationship with your past husband. You know, I think when we are able to talk about whether it be death or different tragedies, it no longer becomes that because we can color it in the ways that we want to. Now, do you know what dark night of the soul means? I'm not as familiar. Okay, so the dark night of the soul is when you have to leave everything that you've known and it takes courage to do that, but it prepares you for that next chapter in life. And so that whether that be the passing of, you know, a spouse, mm -hmm. uh, losing a job, um, yes. choosing to be your authentic self, stepping to who mm -hmm. you are, leaving groups of friends. Yeah. Do you have anything to share on those topics? Because I feel <laughs> like you are an expert without knowing this term. I, I, I've never... I, I really am not familiar with that term, but as you say that, it's just like, well, yeah, um, you, that it's been, it's been life. I believe, my belief is that life is beautiful. Doesn't mean that it's easy or that you don't experience different things. The one thing that we all have in common is we all are born and we all die and we all experience loss to some degree. That's like, no matter what in our lives, everybody experiences that. And sometimes there's different beliefs that, and there's a whole lot of different beliefs in all of those areas that can get really, really boggy. Um, even just in relating that, um, it, relating my past, um, sometimes people don't feel comfortable with that. And sometimes they, their beliefs won't allow them to necessarily hear the beauty of that. I share that because I really do believe there's so much beauty in that. And when you understand that we are all connected and that there's really no separation um, and it's like, and everything is always available, it changes how you see the, see the world, you know? And it's just such a beautiful part. So that's why I like to share that, you know? And it's like, because sometimes there's a lot of ugliness that's shared in this world. It's like, let me, let me share the, the parts that, that to me are meaningful, you know, in, in a way that can share the beauty of things, even in the sad story, in the sad packaging, you know? Absolutely. And I, I feel like, life is sweeter when you've tasted the bitterness of it and then the, the most important thing is making sure that bitterness doesn't change who you are and so i still see your radiant energy um, but i get to learn more about this deeper part of yourself that's that continues to be a huge part of your life i've i've had my own dark nights of the soul mm -hmm. and i will say that it helps for me to have a sense of purpose you know i think i you know, I, I just got out of a relationship. I've been seeing counseling um, and we did this little uh, temperament assessment and something that she had said was like, oh, you know, it seems like you get, you have low energy. And so being around people all the time can be very draining. How's it, how's being a physical therapist for you? And for me, I was like, well, it gives me a sense of purpose. And mm -hmm. so, yes, you're going to encounter some people who are energy vampires, but I, one of the things I love about my job is that I get to learn about people and their different walks of life. And I think mm -hmm. that helps me just have a, a broader perspective. I, I get a sense of fulfillment and I know that it is my purpose and, and that helps me make decisions for my life. And so even though certain things might be scary, so let's say I take my first mile faster release course, I have this experience where I'm like, dude, I, 
this is cool. Like you can actually be a wizard. Just you gotta be with people and wait with people. But then you talk to more linear people and they're like, that there's no way that can happen. And it's like the fact that you think that closes you off to the possibility of doing that. When I was able to go to body magic, one of the things I really appreciate is I surround myself with people who are not cut from the same cloth from my traditional upbringing, mm -hmm. right? And But I always try to give space for the mystic or the mystical part of life where it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, who knows? Like, I, I might not believe it, but I'm not going to stay there and like, that's not true, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll just say that I've had experiences, I'll just share a quick story, but uh, when I when we first got to um, Stonehenge, which is where it was hosted, I was roommates with this woman named Heather. And on our first night, we got visited by an entity known as Russell. And Russell and Don were the original founders of Stonehenge. And uh, Russell was just kind of like there. And I'm not someone who believes in these spirits per se. <laughs> But, you know, Heather is well-versed in this area. She was like, yeah, the mirror is a, a portal. He came through. He can travel through these mirrors. And the Channel 5 skeptic in me, I'm like, what are you talking about? But when you're in that moment and you're just like, I just want to get some sleep, like whatever else you get sleep, then you jump off that cliff and you do what is necessary. <laughs> so Heather did a great job of, like, facilitating the process, teaching me some have metaphysical things like uh, a theme that I came away with was uh, learning more about Saint Germain and the Holy Spirit purple flame and all these things that are more spiritual and there's a version of myself that would laugh at me today and I am comfortable knowing that and I think it's, it's it helps me because when I do encounter people who are very like that's not true there's no where's the where's the proof I could be like there was a point in my life where I used to be that person, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I will say that I still need to practice my discernment, right? Like, even though I'm in these spaces, I'm not just like, oh, this is all true. Mm -hmm. You know, there, I'll say that there was a conversation that came up where someone had mentioned AI demons, that like demons are hiding in the wires. And so I'm like, I don't think that's it, right? Like, I think that <laughs> You know, people have a fear around technology, but it's up to the user and their intentions to ultimately uh, utilize what that technology is allowed to provide. Um, okay, and so I just want to ask you, like, how do you go about finding your purpose? You had said something about that in the, the earlier part. You talked about treating people from the mind, body, and spirit piece. Mm -hmm does the purpose kind of align with the spirit piece or, or how would you go about explaining that to somebody? Early on in my career, when I was much more black and white, I used to say, I just want to affect a change in one child. And if I can affect a change in one child, I would be happy. And after affecting changes and changes and changes, and then more things were brought into my world. And what I say is like, be aware of what the universe tells you, the universe will speak to you constantly. If you block, like if there's, if there's things that are going on in your life that you feel like you're hitting constant brick walls, that's usually when you're not in alignment with who you are and, and listen to those things. There were times when I would plow through it because logically 
it was the right thing to do. It looked like it was the best thing for me. And uh, on paper, it looked the best thing. It did not always align with me, you know, and when and and then I'd meet resistance. And sometimes the resistance comes in forms of like illness in the body and stuff like that. When I was not in alignment with myself, I was getting joint pain so bad that I couldn't even bend my hands. And I'm like, wait, I'm a physical therapist and I love art and I love to create and everything I do involves my hands. And now I can't move my hands. What's happening? You know, like this is my life, you know, so it's like, okay dig further, look further, get treated. Like I, throughout all of this, I get treated regularly. And that's, and that is an important piece because I think it's, it's that part, that's part of me being in alignment with who I am. But, um, but it's like listening to, to that. I truly believe that after, as my life continues to unfold, my purpose in life continues to unfold. Sometimes I don't know that we are supposed to know what our true purpose is. I think we're supposed to go along on the journey. I think we're really supposed to like take the journey. So it's like, so don't ever be afraid to take those steps. So what if the people that went to school with you don't believe the same thing? You know, it's like, there's just as many people that do. You know, and it's like, and surround yourself with those people that resonate with you in the, in the, in the, in the way that feels best for you, you know, um, not just the people that, that are there because they are a part. My, aside from a, a small group of women that, that have, we've been friends with for a while, my friends have completely changed since my, since a lot of my changes in my life. And, and, and I embrace that. It's a, it's a whole different world. And it's a, it's a really, I don't know that necessarily the end point, the logical side of me, the, the side that needed control in my world needed to know that end point. And that was part of me delving deeper and deeper into myself. You know, I don't, I didn't, I didn't just delve. I started delving in physically with myofascial release and then I found I needed more. And then I delved in on the energy systems and cleared my energy systems and worked with my energy systems and supported my energy systems. And I, and I did that. And the more I did that, the more, the more things became clear. And then I worked on my mind. I worked, I worked, I embraced something called internal family systems and I worked on that area. And that, and so it's like, I know for me, Everything that I speak is something that is true to me too. I don't just, uh, whatever I say, I do as well. So that's, that's a big, that was a big part of my unearthing and my finding out what my purpose is. I say that for right now, my purpose is I love to feel connection with that individual, with my clients. So creating an environment and where I can feel that connection and allow that client to become so in line with who she that individual he or she is that they can shine their light you know when I differentiate grounding and centering and coming from their heart center can they shine their light so bright that it comes from their heart and they can connect with everything from that and it's like and that to me gives me joy you know I love teaching I love to be able to like to keep on I do feel that things, events happened in my life 
that didn't go according to plan. <laughs> this was not, this wasn't our plan. This wasn't how, how I, I planned it. It, it. it was funny because I was actually talking to an older friend that knew me from college and said, oh, Jeannie, you were so black and white. You had everything <laughs> all lined up. You knew exactly what you, you were doing and what you wanted. And, and I really feel like I'm at a point now where I'm embracing the journey. What, when things come into my world, I will feel into it and I will, and I will feel, does this feel like I'm in line? What helps me feel is being grounded. And I know we went through this a lot um, at the camp about using the pranic tube energy and have, using that pranic tube energy to connect above and below. And we touch on that a little tiny bit in, in the myofascial world, uh, but not to the degree in that, we ca that it can be in the energetic world, you know. So, um, but when you can really be in using the energy and having that energy flow, I think that's a big piece. Absolutely. I think one of the principles that, that John teaches, actually, I'll say two of them, is the ultimate form of control is being able to let go of control. And for those of us, that can be very scary and hard to do. The second principle that came to mind is the inner journey isn't the most important journey. It's the only journey. Right. Mm -hmm. And I will say that I'm going through this process right now. I think it's always an ongoing process. Yeah. But when I bring up the dark night of the soul where you're leaving everything that you knew, which is mm -hmm. everything that you know, but mm -hmm. when you have the courage to let go of that, then for me, at least the energies that have filled that space has been so warm. And had I held or clung, clinged on to this old past version of myself, then I wouldn't have been able to create these new fruitful re relationships. I wouldn't have been able to pursue a job and a career that gives me fulfillment and purpose. Mm -hmm. And to your credit, I too have, whether it be burnt myself out or run myself into a wall because I did things based on what made sense on paper and I wasn't following what my heart was trying to guide me towards. And so that can be very challenging, especially if you, you know, ultimately what you want is to feel like you're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. But when you're following your intuition, just because it doesn't play out the way that you hope that it would, doesn't mean that it's the wrong decision. It just means the path that you're meant to be on is not the one that you thought for yourself. And so with that, is there, are there any last thoughts you would like to share with the audience? One of the things that I said this weekend in, spe in speaking with what you, what you were just saying and, and about your life path, I believe that each of us as individuals, like there's an old saying, all roads lead to Rome. And if we're each our own little Romes, all roads will lead you to the place that is right to you. Some of us take paths that have detours and have like uh, road blockages, or there might be some flash flooding or something like that along the way, but all roads will eventually lead you to where you're supposed to be. And, and, the, and, and the more consciously that you can take that path, I think the more exciting life can be, you know? And it's like, and then there's no need to, fight, flee, or freeze, you know, you can just enjoy and take that path, you know? Yes. And I think uh, 
another way of putting that is like follow the energy follow the energy that feels good and oftentimes that's what's guiding you versus trying to logically rationalize oh these are the pros and the cons based on these reasons and it's like you're just in your head okay uh last thing i want to say is how do people find you you know i think you're a great myofascial release therapist it sounds like you have a strong uh passion for for pediatrics or working working with kids how do people find you so i have a small practice in new hope pennsylvania um called turning point therapy and my website is under construction <laughs> so um i'll help however, you with that as it, so, however <laughs> you can reach me at um it's tpt therapy at gmail.com and uh that that's one way to connect with me or connect with you connect with me um i am on instagram as turning points one and i am on um i am on facebook as well excellent all right thank you so much for joining the podcast Jeannie. it was a great conversation i loved the insights that you shared again i just appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation with me thank you so much Anna. thank you Thanks for listening to another episode of Myofascial Health. I help myofascial release therapists create beautiful websites for their MFR practices, even if they aren't tech savvy. If you're just starting your MFR practice or you're an experienced MFR practice owner, learn more about how I can help at www.myofascial.health website.